Hello and welcome to the Trinity Podcast with me, Rob Burkhead. Today is a fascinating interview with meditation teacher Arjuna Ashaya. Now, Arjuna isn't just one of our friends, he's also one of the UK's top meditation and mindfulness coaches, having coached thousands of people at retreats and events around the globe over the past 19 years, including actually teaching at Trinity's very own Unstoppable X Mindset Weekend Retreat. He's also author of a brilliant book, 200%, An Instruction Manual for Living Fully. And you can find Arjuna on Facebook by searching for Arjuna Ishaya. That's spelled A-R-J-U-N-A-I-S-H-A-Y-A. And you can also find his book on Amazon simply by searching for 200%. Now, in our conversation today, we cover everything from dealing with stress to trying to fix your kids to managing guilt and also the importance of getting calm and clear, along with many quick practical meditation and mindfulness tips. So without further ado, let's get stuck in and start today's episode of the Trinity Podcast. So hello, Arjuna. Welcome to the Trinity Podcast. Thank you so much for coming along. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm ecstatic. So to kick it off then, you're, for want of a better word, you're a meditation teacher, right? As well as many other things that we're going to get into today. But what does your daily routine look like and your daily mindset practices look like? My routine is a lot different from... <laughs> I'm not saying people should emulate this. I'm just my actual routine or my preferred routine? <laughs> well, let's, let's hear the realistic one because you've got two young children. I'm sure a lot of people would be relieved to hear, hear what your real life looks like. You can go through both. So what's your actual routine and what would you like to have done? Yeah. You do before well, children? Yeah, well, um, well, my daughter usually wakes me up around six. Sometimes that's half five or, or sometimes, sometimes it's eight o'clock, which is a bonus, but everyone starts scrambling in. um especially when it's not lockdown and and um yeah i just basically wake up and (laughs) drag myself out of bed and try and make her breakfast and read her books and entertain her while my my wife has a sleep in and then i'll grab the baby and you know just mess around basically childcare for lockdowns being um an education and and (laughs) full-time parenting (laughs) yeah (laughs) And then around about 10.30, I'll get a shot at closing my eyes and, and I'll just do my ascension meditation for 45 minutes, maybe an hour, depending on, on how much chaos is in the house. Um, and then I'll just launch into some work. I'll do some writing, you know, emails, admin, um, as we are talking, trying to get podcasts going and all that kind of stuff. So, and then, then kind of a tag out with my wife about 3.30 and start cooking dinner for a 4.30 dinner. <laughs> wow. And then, yeah, uh, stories, bath, bedtime. And then we, me and my wife have a couple hours, sort of 7.30 to 9.30, and I'm, we usually crashed out by 9. So <laughs> I sleep a lot. <laughs> so, so, yeah, sort of try and, get, try and get 45 minutes an hour meditating in the morning and then half an hour while my, you know, I just ascend while my daughter's going to sleep. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So that's pretty much it. Repeat, especially lockdown. It just seems every day, every day is the same. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all feeling that a bit, aren't we? There's, yeah. there's not much variation. And that's what your, your sort of real practice then. And we'll get into what Ascension is because people are probably wondering what that is. So we'll, we'll go and explain that in just a second. But what, 
what would your ideal routine be or, or, or is there not really one? My, well, th- that's the wonderful thing about kids is I've just learned to be so much more flexible. And, but, you know, my preference would be to start the day, you know, there's that whole thing. What is it? Own the, own the morning, own the day, start the yeah. day off, start the morning, right. You, you, and everything's so much easier. So my preference would be to, you know, close my eyes and, and get that kind of sustenance and, and centeredness early on and then be able to take my time and do some journaling or some, you know, reminding myself of what's truly important and, and, and then launch into the, the to-do list. But, um, do you know that <laughs> when, when does your preferred life ever happen? <laughs> so Great point. when, when I was single, it was, it was a lot easier, but you know, I, I so love having a family that it's, I, you know, it's worth it. It's worth that, that kind of leads me on, on to my next question. So I know I kind of know a bit about your journey, but for people who don't know, like how did you end up going from single Arjuna where life was simple to be, and I don't know what you were doing, or I do roughly know, but to now being in a Shire monk and a dad and a meditation teacher, like, what was your journey to, to being where you are today? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you have to compress it like Jordan Peterson didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, See, I was an outdoor educator. So I, I, was, I was taking people kayaking. I'd take people climbing and walking in the hills of New Zealand. And I did that because I loved being in nature. And I loved being in nature because I loved the challenge and because it was physical and I loved um, just being around water, but also because I, I knew when I was in nature, I got more present. I got, I, I got out of my head. <laughs> yeah. It, I think we all do. You know, there's... Uh, forgotten his name but he wrote a book on depression matt matt edwards maybe british guy but he but he said you know one of the greatest things for him and his depression which was killing him was basically just to get out go find something beautiful and um that would lift his mood enough to just to keep keep him going but you know i was i've had bouts of depression but never that severe and but just the day-to-day grind of of dealing with the monkeys in your head was was so much easier when i was out on the river in the mountains, you know, it put everything in perspective. The trouble was I'd come back home <laughs> and that, that sort of high or that sense of flow would just gradually dissipate and the monkeys would start yelling louder and louder. And so um, I got to a point where I realized, you know, I had everything. I had an incredible house. I living in, in right lakeside, three mountains on, on, on all directions when you're sitting out there drinking my coffee and, um, incredible friends, incredible place for adventures, had a, an amazing job. And, and yet I, I felt like I should feel complete and successful. And I wasn't, I was, I was so confused and so adrift. I just didn't know what I was doing on the planet. And so I, I really then, as opposed to kind of putting all my emphasis and not, I didn't stop this, but instead of putting all my emphasis onto the external stuff, I started an inner search. So really what, how can I be, how can I find meaning and happiness and peace and to calm the monkeys no matter where I was? So uh, that, that led me to the Ashayas and I became a monk and, and, and hey, presto, 19 years later or whatever it is, here I am. But, uh, but along the way, you know, I never wanted to be a parent and I never wanted to be a dad. I never saw myself as married and settling down, but you know what, it's amazing how things change. So 
yeah, that, that was, uh, yeah, it was just apparent that there was something I, I wanted, I wanted a really stable, loving relationship and I got it and she was really keen for kids. And I came to a point where I was like, well, <laughs> let's give it a try. <laughs> yeah. Pretty casually, but, <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad I did, you know, as opposed to being actively resistant. It took me to the age of 44 or whatever it was when my daughter was born, but um, I'm kind of came late to the game, but I'm glad I did. I, I, I would have been pretty selfish father at 22. <laughs> yeah, definitely. People change a lot, don't they? I know I'm only 30, but even yeah. five years ago, the, my priorities and things changed. So I'm sure it will change again. Yeah. And you, you mentioned there you kind of found the Ashaya monks and I do think to people on the outside, like I know before, so I've come to um, events that our juniors taken with taken by or hosted by uh, Ashaya monks and I've learned the meditation practice ascension that they teach, which I think is amazing. But from the outside, it, I, I was introduced by someone else, so it kind of made it a bit more palatable. But it can be a bit confusing to people. It sounds very... I don't know, like a sort of hippie type thing, a straight or like it seems quite unrelatable to a lot of people. So, what would you say? How would you explain it to someone who doesn't really know anything about this, who doesn't label themselves as spiritual, which I definitely didn't, probably don't still, but I do have these practices. Like, what would you say to someone who's, who's kind of on the outside? Like, who are the Ashaya monks? Like, why, why, why meditate or why, why should they find out more about this? Yeah. Well, you know, I was sniffing around and doing a lot of things looking for happiness looking for meaning really going what am i doing here on this planet i have no idea combined with just seeing myself getting stuck into drama and worry and 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 just having no skills or nothing no, no way of getting out and you know I, I tried a lot of things and and they all worked to varying degrees but it was for me it was the ashayas who said you know you don't have to give anything up and in fact, I remember talking to the guy who taught one of the early teachers and saying, okay, you know, I love this. Tell me what to do. <laughs> and he just laughed and said, nah, you know, tune in, be aware of your own wisdom. What do you want to do? Which, which was, which was frustrating because I wanted like a, a list of instructions to do. And he was, but ultimately he was setting me free saying, no, 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 no. You're not here to live a, a cookie cutter life work out what you love and what lights your fire and go do that, go chase that work out the lifestyle that works for you and, and put that into place. And it's a very difficult thing for us as humans because we, we so want an expert on the outside to tell us what to do. And, and that's super useful, right? That's what you guys do in Trinity. But at the end of the day, you're, you're looking for what works for you as an individual. And, and that's, that's, when that comes down to diet, I mean, there's a million diets on the planet simply because there's a, there's so many different people and, and embracing that was what the Ashayas were all about. They were saying, you know, don't believe anything, just test it, eat it, try it. And if it works for you, keep doing it, just have an open mind. And, and I was like cracking. That's, that's what I want to do. You know, I, I want to keep having adventures. I want to keep drinking red wine and, <laughs> <laughs> chasing girls at the time and and they were like great go for it do it but do it with all your heart don't be you know so many of us are living john lennon once said life is what happens when we, we're busy making other plans right and we, we were so life's right in front of us right here and yet we're so stuck in this sort of 
anticipating the next moment or regretting what we did or being nostalgic for what happened. And, and, you know, life really is right here in front of us. And the more attention, the more focused, the more mindful, the more intentional you can be, the more your life comes alive. And that's pretty much everything the Ashayas stood for. So, you know, yeah, when I first met them, I was the same. What are these weird names? What are they wearing these weird colors for? But I was, I was fortunate enough just to have open ears and kind of hear what they were truly saying. And I was like, yeah, cool. I can do that. Um, so yeah. Is that kind of sum it up a little bit? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think being open-minded is, is definitely important with all of these things. And as you said there, like, I think a lot of it is kind of, it's, it's difficult. We want structure, right? Like you said, with Trinity, we provide people with structure because it's easy and we have structure from work and we have structure from all of these things um but we that's the same kind of thing they do and we kind of do is try and give them structure initially dogs get a bit crazy it's life isn't it try and give them some structure and then we try and sort of take that structure away slowly until they can sort of like ride without the stabilizers with their nutrition or with their training or whatever and i guess it's the same kind of thing and for someone then who wants to kind of who's interested in finding not find out more but getting started with some sort of mindfulness or meditation practice what would you recommend they do? What like what little bit of structure could you give them to get started that they can then go and find their own path with? Yeah. Well, I think the, the first thing is realizing how uh, valuable a calm, clear, contented mind is. And, and often in our culture, we, we put calm and contentment as being opposite to achieving our goals or, or having an exciting life. You know, you, you pick calm contentment or you pick an amazing exciting life kicking ass and climbing mountains but that's not the case you know i I think the the core of all the highest achievers is a calm clear content mind um because that's where wisdom and clarity comes from that's where you a you get the intuition to know what's right for you but you get the wisdom to know what's when to proceed you get like we were talking beforehand the um, the wisdom to know when to speak and when to shut up, <laughs> um, when to listen, you know. And, and so, the Alcoholics Anonymous have that prayer: "Give me the the serenity to accept the things I can't change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference." And and a and a calm, clear, focused, attentive, curious mind is the source of that wisdom. So it becomes really obvious those things you can control and the things you can. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so if the first thing for me is just realizing how, how valuable that is, how nice it is, how peaceful it is, how much of a better person you are when you are centered and aligned with that version of you. Um, you know, the, the ancient Vedic, guys from India used to talk about the higher self and the lower self and the lower self is almost like, almost like a little kid, you know, throwing tantrums, grasping, grabbing for, for everything. And they're saying, no, rise above that. Be an adult, be, be the higher self. And so essentially the, the greatest motivation comes from realizing that you are your biggest problem. <laughs> And a practice of meditation, mindfulness, presence, awareness, prayer, journaling, even some kind of just taking a half step back from the drama, the busyness, the, the chaos, the, 
the confusion, the doubt um, is, is incredibly valuable. So perhaps the first step you might want to take is, is 10 minutes. Maybe first thing in the morning when the house is quiet or, or last thing at night when, when you, you can create some space for yourself to simply sit and be and, and get that kind of condor moment, that perspective. Um, whether you do some sort of breathing practice or Tai Chi or yoga or meditation, I, I think they're incredible because they, they definitely put your body into a more parasympathetic, well, a completely parasympathetic state where it's, it can heal, it can learn, it can, it's, it's resting and recharging. Um, but then you start to work out true just from that gentle practice, that daily kind of being present and alive and curious and quiet. You, you get to see what's there behind the voices, behind the monkeys, behind all the, the emotions that seem like they swamp you. Um, so just carving out a bit of time, I guess, is, is, is what I would say. And, and knowing why you're doing it, knowing that, do you know what? Life is so much better when actually you press pause, take a bit of time to recharge and step back, and then you can launch back in. Um, I'm sure you, hear, sure you hear this a lot. Um, so I work with lots of women with really um, busy, stressful jobs, family lives, they're high achievers. And one of the common things we hear, we do work through with this with them, but a lot, one of the main excuses for why they're not doing stuff is I don't have time. So if someone's feeling like that, they're really busy, they're really stressed out with work and family life, but they say, I just don't have time to carve out 10 minutes. What, what, what would you say to someone like that? I know you get asked this kind of thing a lot in your, in your retreats and seminars and stuff. Well, it's a, it's a great question and it's a question humanity and as a whole hasn't really worked out yet. And, you know, we're human beings, not human doings. Life is about doing, it's about action, it's about passion, it's about taking care of your responsibilities. So you'll be busy. But the, the part that we forget is the being, is the presence, is, is the uh, connecting with something, a source of wisdom, a source of energy that is much bigger than the small self. Because when we get busy, we get frantic. And when we get frantic, we get stressed, we make mistakes, we, we try to multitask, we're in the past and the future. Our lives flash by in a, in a, a flurry of, of busyness, of spinning around in little circles. And, and from the reading that I've done from all the successful people in the world, they make a, a real practice. And, and this is success in business or success, you know, someone who's seen, seen as a success as a parent or in sport, they always take time to step back, to rest, to recharge, to nourish. And athletes perhaps know that best of all, that, yeah, you've got to work incredibly hard, but you've got to switch off completely. Otherwise, the hard work, it doesn't go anywhere. You just kill yourself. Um, you know, and there's also that thing of getting on a plane, and, and they say if something terrible happens, put on your own oxygen mask first help yourself first and then you can help everybody else and that's the one thing mums don't do isn't it isn't it they, <laughs> they run around helping everybody else collapsing dead on the floor and resenting their lives resenting everybody making everybody miserable around them but and, and all in the shape of of giving and it's not giving it's um the example you're giving your kids your the people around you is one of exhaustion and stress and resentment not not of being like rock solid and dependable and 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 a true source of clarity and calm and 
and, and wisdom. So that, that actually is a perfect transition into my first question from our clients. So we've got, I've got a number of questions that um, some of our members have asked and I want to go straight into them. So just because this first one is exactly around what you've just said, and I'm sure you've got a bit more to add to that. So a question from Jessica, who's one of our members, she said, um, would, um, my question would be, can meditation help with easing guilt or anxiety? So feeling guilty is an all-consuming emotion. Feeling guilty about going to work and leaving children, especially during lockdown. Feeling guilty about leaving work early to go home. Feeling guilty about spending time on your own when friends and family need to see you. And on it goes. I'm interested in dealing with guilt and anxiety through meditation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's, a, it's an, I mean, it's not, it's a, I would say it's a surprisingly common problem. And it's also the reason why we don't speak up when we, and, and, and really honest with what we want and we need, because we want to be seen to be doing the very best job. And if we, we also say, Hey, can I have some time off or can I have a raise or can I have a holiday or can I have better working conditions or saying to your family, the exact same things, then it feels like taking, but it's not, it's not, it's really allowing you to be, you know, to live a life free of regret. And it's tough. So many people have that, but a meditation practice, absolutely. It, it, it takes away because guilt really is a learned, it's a habit. It's a learned behavior. It's a, it's a brain loop. It will have a physical basis in our heads and, and meditation. So I study the other day, eight minutes of meditation a day, regularly done makes your brain more plastic, more flexible. So you can make different connections. You can, physically and emotionally and mentally reprogram the way it works. And, and so of course, something like guilt is just a habit it is just a program. So by being present, you can introduce something else. You can reprogram your brain. But, but I think the important thing is that there are so many, my, my Ashaya teacher says we experience the, the only reason we experience anything is so that we can help somebody else. But by, by us mastering it, we can talk and help and support someone through it step by step. And they know you're telling the truth because there's something embodied, the, the experience and the wisdom is, is actual. It's not just from a book. And, and so the reason you're going through this is so you can free yourself of guilt. So your, your daughters especially will look up to you and go, man, there's mom and she's a great mom, but she's, she's living her life. I want to be like her. So it's a, it's a tricky one because it guilt means we just care too much, <laughs> I think. And, and really it comes back to that Alcoholics Anonymous prayer perhaps is, is knowing what we can do and when we need to switch off what we can't do, what we can take care of and what we, who we are responsible for and what we, we can't do. But, uh, you know, Gandhi, I've been saying this a lot lately, Gandhi's phrase, be the change you wish to see in the world. I mean, how beautiful is that? That's, does it help to be guilty and, and worried and regretting? No, it doesn't. It just makes your life miserable and everybody's life miserable. It's, it's not useful. So absolutely, a practice of changing that is, is key, is a practice of seeing it, you know, just seeing those voices that are, you kind of know they're there, but bring them and to full awareness is, I would say, would be so valuable. Because when you see them, you don't have to make them go away, but you can make a different choice. 
And I don't know if that hope helps. I hope so. But. Yeah, I think definitely that sounds exactly like the kind of thing I was hoping for. <laughs> I didn't know the answer, but I, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing I see a lot is that kind of guilt and anxiety around kids and around family life. And I think you do as well. Um, and it kind of, I don't know if you see this in your children yet. They're quite young. Do they already start mirroring your behavior? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of people I know I work with, they, they want to tell their children, this isn't what we specialize in, but they want to tell their children, do this, but then they're doing something different, right? And you, I know you see this a lot as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they want to kind of set that example, I guess, by doing, I'm guessing that's what you, you recommend as well, is set the example of what you want them to be like. Because I know, I remember we, we ran an event and our junior came along um, and, and taught there. And we had a very similar question there. And the lady was saying, my daughter's got really bad anxiety and I'm really worried about it. And, you know, the irony there is obviously she was anxious about her daughter being anxious. I remember you saying a similar thing that she's really got to work on herself, not on the daughter, telling the daughter that she should stop being anxious or get help and, and see how she can help herself. And would you, I, I know they're closely linked, guilt and anxiety. Would you give similar advice for someone who says, you know, they're always anxious and worrying about things? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The thing was with anxiety, it, 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 we, we are so afraid of fear. We're so afraid of anxiety. And that, that being anxious of anxiety, even if you're anxious about someone else's anxiety, it makes it wrong. And so when it shows up, the person just tries to push it away and shut it down. And I am wrong because I, I can't get rid of this anxiety. And, and all that does is just stress you out even more. And so the anxiety about anxiety, the fear of fear just creates panic and the panic creates panic attacks. You know, it's, we've got it all twisted in our, in our culture, We're waiting for fear to go away as opposed to making friends with it, sitting down and getting to know the reason for it. You know, the, the Tibetan word for meditation is familiarization. And, and so you're not clearing the deck so much as, as being aware and familiar with what's already here. Actually, talking of what's already here, someone's breaking in. <laughs> I thought I'd have the dog breaking in. You've got a child breaking in. <laughs> Lucky I locked the door. But, but that's key. You know, we, we try and we, the focus is on so, on so much on what is wrong. We, we worry and we get anxious about it and we, and we blow up. And, and it works the same. If, if a parent is anxious about you, kids know that. And you were talking about what we do, and that's one part of the picture. And, but who you are is probably the most important part of the picture. You know, kids, they speak language. They're learning to speak English better than us. <laughs> but they, they really speak energy or attitude or presence. They, they can tell how you are before you even speak. You know, and writer Maya Angelou once said that, that people will always forget what you do. They will always forget what you say, but they will never, ever forget the way that you make them feel. And, and so being a lighthouse, being the change, being that rock solid, caring, yes, but calm, courageous, wise, incredibly stable presence means that the, the little people, the big people in your life, in the chaos that is this world and all the things that scare us and make us worried, you're the one place that they feel safe. They feel there is the center of the storm. You know, so many problems of the world are made worse by trying to fix them. 
that sounds funny. <laughs> and please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't do anything, but there's so much focus on what's wrong, what's broken, what's missing, what's lacking, what isn't here. We forget what is. We forget the beauty and the, the magnificence of, of the world, of our, of our people around us. We can so easily see the problems we forget to see how incredible they are. And, you know, the, one of the central teachings of the Ashayas is what you focus on grows. So becoming less worried, less guilty, less anxious isn't irresponsible. It's not not caring. It's actually caring more because you're becoming an incredible source of stability for anyone around you and, and they'll feel it and it will provide the necessary inspiration and creativity and wisdom for whatever you do and say from that platform. So I've got the window cleaners in as well. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. And um, I, I love that. Both of those quotes, actually, the Maya Angelou one, I've never forgotten since I think I heard you say it before. I've read her books, but I couldn't remember. I think you said it first. And the other thing is what you focus on grows, that, that quote as well. I think I really felt that at the beginning of lockdown, you know, when everything was changing all the time, I kept going into BBC News and refreshing it and refreshing it, which is something I've trained myself kind of out of is looking at the news all the time. But then news is all, it's got to be focused on problems, right? Because there's, you know, we all know the news is trying to get people to get eyes on it, it's trying to get views. So it can't just post all the nice things happening because that gets boring quickly. Fears are much better motivated to get people to look at it. And then I started to feel more, more, more fearful and more worried and more anxious. So I kind of just closed it all off and just stopped looking at it again. And funnily enough, felt much, much better again. So I always think, remember that what you focus on grows. And sim there's lots of simple things you can do other than just obviously meditation helps you have the awareness and the clarity to do these things. Are there any other practical or simple tips that you implement or, you know, you, you recommend people do to help them other than meditation as well? Yeah, well, you know, something just like a, a very, very simple but uh, very powerful is the power of appreciation, the power of gratitude. And it's almost become a, a cliche, you know, you can't open a health and well-being website without be grateful or gratefulness to journal. <laughs> but, it, you know, like all cliches are cliches because they're true. And, and appreciation, gratitude is incredibly powerful because it focuses you focuses your attention on what is good, what is right, what is beautiful, what you do have. It stops you from taking huge bits of your life for granted. We're so fascinating in that we can have the most incredible life, swimming in um, so many good things, and yet the tiniest little problem, like the tiniest little mosquito will take up all of our attention, and, and all of a sudden our whole life is a disaster. And what appreciation and gratitude does is it doesn't take the mosquito away, but it just allows you to step back and go, you know what? My life is incredible. And yet there's this problem as well. And, and f as opposed to this thing overwhelming you and coloring every interaction and every thought that you have, all of a sudden it's like, well, this is annoying. I don't like it. I don't know what to do, but do you know what, man, my day, my life, it's incredible. And I'm sure so many, if you've ever traveled in a third world country, you'll realize that the people who have the least materialistically speaking often are the happiest. And we have, so, you know, we carry in our pockets this incredible device that can let me know any knowledge I need to know. 
I just do a quick search and boom, it's there. It's entertainment. I can talk to my family in New Zealand. It's, it's incredible. And yet it's so easy to take that for granted. It's so easy to take our health for granted. The fact that right now the chances are you're breathing so clearly, so freely. The breath is just coming in and out. You don't even need to think about it. You catch this nasty virus or pneumonia or just a cold and every breath is like, oh man, I wish this was better. <laughs> right? So just the power of, of really training your attention, noticing when you're getting into negativity and taking a step back. I'm not saying stick your head in the sand and ignore your problems, but have a different perspective on them because problems have become so magnified when you, when you focus on them. And that's all they become. Right. So, I've, yeah, I've just started just, writing daily now. I've done this for a while, but I kind of stopped and I started again during lockdown. One thing I'm grateful for, I've probably stolen that from you as well. <laughs> but I find that I was doing it the other day and I was sat. So, we don't have a, we have a shared garden for this flat block, but we don't have, um, I don't have a dedicated garden. And I was thinking, oh, wish I had a garden. You know, the dog can run around in it and you don't have to worry about it. I was sat outside, so I was able to sit and work outside, but I was thinking, I wish I had a garden. And, then I, and, and the place I sit outside is also the car, basically the car park. So it's not the most scenic place, but I, was, I just kind of reframed it and just wrote, you know, actually, I'm very lucky to be able to sit out here and work in the sun and it's a beautiful day, rather than I wish I had a garden. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know if you have any other tips for, for practicing that gratitude, but I do find just writing down the journal every day just one thing i hadn't thought breathing so i'll write i'll write breathing today i think <laughs> it's funny how you take so many things for granted isn't it you do until they go and then you go oh wow you know but but it's kind of on the the same level as that reframing is is when you're faced well when you're faced with anything you can ask yourself is this happening to me or is this happening for me which is a powerful statement, a powerful choice, because if it's happening to you, life is tough. You know, life is kind of beating you up. There's some uncaring divine being up there just smashing you with bad luck and challenge after challenge after challenge. But if you kind of go, do you know what? Perhaps this is happening for me. And maybe it's just an assumption. You don't need to know why, but you're just assuming, you know what? I'm going to choose to see this is happening for me. All of a sudden, your shoulders drop your chest lifts and you're like all right i don't like it i don't know why i hope it goes soon but if it's happening for me perhaps i am loved perhaps there is a reason perhaps there is logic <laughs> in the universe <laughs> it, it stops being about why is this happening to me and starts being about hmm, all right wow thank you you know the the, the the response becomes more and more one of great gratitude and so whenever you do have a problem or a, a sticky situation or, or anything, it's a nice thing to keep back in, in the back of your mind. Are you, is, you feel like you're being attacked here or are you kind of stepping forward and going, you know what, I'm going to choose to see this as happening for me and I'm going to make the most of it, whatever, whatever it is. But essentially what you're doing is stopping wishing it was different. That kind yeah. of resistance that is you're wishing reality this unmovable actual reality was different. And that's what humans do all the time. We try and change it. We try and wish it away. And the minute you go, oh, this is happening for me, you can drop that into acceptance and see it all clearly. And maybe you 
can't do anything, but maybe you can because no longer is your head filled with what should be and you're having a direct relationship with what is and you go, oh, okay, I can work with this. But it takes away the struggle and the suffering because all of a sudden you're not going, ah. <laughs> so that's a, that's a powerful thing too, just, just doing that. But I think all of these things require stopping. Like we, we began this conversation is it's, it's easy to have this knowledge, but to make it a new brain pattern requires stopping and sitting and, and moments of quiet, moments of calm, of clarity. And, and maybe that's just when you recognize that you're getting a little bit stressed, a little bit wound up, a little bit guilty. It's just taking two or three deep breaths and then throughout your nose, down into your belly tuning in, stopping the noise, sinking down, letting the moment be enough and being aware, being curious of what's around you, what's within you. Because it creates a new, just a little oasis of calm, a little oasis of clarity. And you're like, hmm, okay, let's go, let's go. But uh, yeah, it definitely takes, it's, it's the first thing that gets forgotten, right? When you've got a problem or a challenge or you get busy, you just get stuck in do mode, firefighting. And if, if you, the greatest thing you can do for a fire is step back and go, hang on, where, where is my energy best placed? I think, I'm not sure if it was Abraham Lincoln said, if I have an hour to cut down a tree, I'll spend 50 minutes sharpening my axe, <laughs> which is a smart way of doing it we will go in there with blunt axes, just flailing, <laughs> exhaust ourselves, smacking the wrong tree, as opposed to calmly taking time, considering it and then act. Sorry. I'm trying to now remember all of these. This is, this is why I need to now meditate after this. Got so many words of wisdom. I'm like, must remember the ax one. I'd forgotten that one. I love that one as well. Excellent. So I'm going to go through a couple more questions now. Um, we'll do a bit of a quick fire round on these. So I've got another one from Susan. So her, her question was, my question would be, is there a meditation to help you sleep? I've tried headspace ones without success. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a, a million different techniques. Uh, there's one, the one I know, the one that I have heard has been really, I've never had a problem with sleep really, but, <laughs> but I've heard lots of people saying it. it's called the pineal gland technique. I know, I think Joe Dispenza does a version, but I'm not sure. Um, but I know the Ashayas, if you look up Ashaya pineal gland technique, um, apparently that's helped a lot of people. And it's just a very simple breathing, uh, visualizing technique. Very simple, even if you're no good at, at visualizing. But, but the biggest thing around meditation, like, like we're saying is um, with anxiety is is the resistance to, to not being asleep. Now we, we can't sleep and therefore we get more anxious about not being asleep because we'll be a wreck in the morning. Oh, here it goes again, here it goes again. And so we get more stressed and, and less able to sleep. So for me, at least meditation is when I can't sleep, it just gives me the ability to be accepting and, and lie quietly. Um, you know, of course it feels like you've got to, floodlight on in your brain and you're wide awake wide alert but it's just to, to accept that and sit there and relax and be still and present and and eventually you do fall asleep but, i heard a sleep study actually that said they did a study on two groups one trying to go to sleep as yeah. quickly as possible one not 
and the group that wasn't trying to go to sleep fell asleep quicker, which is crazy, isn't it? It's a weird, and it, and it kind of like if you've ever re- read the Tao Te Ching and Lao Tzu and those kind of Chinese philosophies, it's like the the way of of not doing. <laughs> Sometimes you, you get more by not trying, <laughs> and um, yeah. So so yeah, watch you know, try the meditations and and seek out some help. But by by far, I think it's the effort, it's the trying, it's the worry about not sleeping that that uh, is the biggest cause. And, and the, the more you can put that to one side and just shrug your shoulders and go, you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to wish it was different. Then the faster you relax and fall, fall asleep, if, if that's going to happen. Yeah. And that's not very fashionable in like Western culture, is it? To just be like accepting. It's always like, what can we do? How can we do this? What's the plan? What's the... Yeah. Which is great. But like, like the Alcoholics Anonymous, it's only half the picture. You know, the, the courage to change the things I can, it's, you know, we're good at that. We're good at achieving and kicking ass, but um, the serenity to accept the things that we cannot change is, is absolutely lacking. But, uh, yep, so many people think a spiritual life, though, is just acceptance, but it's embracing both of those things. So, yeah. All right, next question. So from Nanette, she says, I want to encourage my children to meditate. <laughs> Similar to the topic we talked about before, but I want to encourage my children to meditate. Can you give me examples of how meditation has improved performance or lifestyle for people? I don't know if those two are really linked, but basically I think it's about encouraging children to meditate and she's trying to think how to sell that in. Cause I, I actually, I work with this lady one to one and I think her daughter has quite a lot of anxiety and things like that. So I think she thinks this will be helpful and she wants to encourage her daughter to do it. Um, but doesn't know how to go about that. So what would you say to someone asking you that kind of question? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would do it yourself. Um, you know, and, and that's the greatest invitation is when you, when she sees you changing, when she sees you being more carefree, happy, present with her, um, less worried, um, less trying to fix her through some sort of practice, she'll, she'll be more interested in going, huh, I, I might give that a try. But, you, you know, especially if she's a teenager, whatever mum and dad say, you know, <laughs> it's yeah but but again teenagers too they notice the change in you and so by you walking your talk um it's a lot more inviting and even if she doesn't take it up you know maybe five years from now she might remember and go ah, it was that thing when you know perhaps when she leaves home or whatever but one of the biggest things for you know i remember my mom and she was so lovely and so caring but sometimes I'd feel like this pressure to do something or be something. And she was trying to help, but she was, it felt like she was trying to fix me. And with her big heart and the greatest of intentions, it felt like I was being squashed and that I wasn't good enough as I was. So one of the best things with you can do for your kids is love them unconditionally. Not when they become different, not when they, get off their asses and make something of themselves. (laughs) Not when, you know, they listen to you, but exactly as they are. And you can have that unconditional love and still set boundaries and um, rules and things like that. But I bet you as parents, because, you you know, we we find ourselves going, don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do, do you know? And on top of that, you can be so much more appreciative. You can be so much more positive and, let them know when they're doing great things 
So, yeah, just love, love them. That's, that's all anybody truly needs is acceptance and love rather than a plan or to be fixed. I know your heart's in it. I know your heart's in it. And, and you, you're coming from the very best place. But A, be the change that you wish to see in her and B, love her. Just offer unconditional, absolute acceptance and love. And she'll yeah. always have that at least. Next question is going to be from Helen. So this question is, I would be interested in some practical advice. It's a fairly simple one, but good for everyone. So it's a practical advice for how beginners like me can incorporate meditation and mindfulness into our lives on a daily basis in a way that would really make a difference. Uh, I think the, the, the best thing you can do is is really just set aside a time, just a little bit of time. Um, so you know how your life is structured and you know when you have gaps and ebbs and flows, just find a moment, uh, a place where you have five minutes where you can sit quietly, maybe 10 minutes. Don't, don't bite off more than you can chew. You know, don't try and do an hour. <laughs> just start somewhere, start small. And if, if 10 minutes is easy and you're enjoying yourself, then sit for longer. Um, but there's a ton of also guided meditations, guided breathing practices. Uh, Insight Timer is a, a wonderful resource. And I mean, there's about a zillion teachers on there, some of them good, some of them less good, but you may have to hunt them down. But really just make a start. Uh, make a commitment not to meditation, but a commitment to being your higher self, you know, that higher self we're talking about. Um, but for me, always making a ritual sandwich. You, you probably do this in Trinity, right? You sandwich something between two before I'll have a shower and then meditate and then have a cup of coffee. And, and so you kind of have a routine and it just becomes automatic. Right? So that, that seems to help too. But, but the main thing is find the time that works for you and then find the, the length of time that works for you. As I said, was it was eight minutes a day recharges re makes your brain more elastic and flexible. So it's not uh, a a small amount of time is not a waste of time. It's not insignificant at all. Um, The other thing is just know that you will have thoughts. You will get distracted. You will fall asleep. And that is completely normal. And struggling against that is counterproductive and, and ruins your enjoyment. So, recognize that the rep, if you like, if you're a gym go, the thing that makes you stronger is the remembering. It's not about not forgetting. It's about when you realize coming in and, and resetting and remembering again. All right. This is a path of return, a path of remembering, not a path of not forgetting. So don't worry about where you've been. Just make the most of what you have here. And when you say, not forgetting, you mean like not clearing your mind? Because I know a lot of people think it's like clearing your mind of thought. Yeah, exactly. You, you're having a different relationship with them. You're not a traffic controller. You're not, no, you go away or you're, you can come. <laughs> you're like the Tibetan word, familiarization. You're becoming more aware of what is already here. If you focus on your thoughts, even to try and get rid of them, that's all you see is thinking. What you're doing is stepping back and, and, 
there becomes a, a clear presence, a sense of being, a sense of the presence of now that becomes apparent even when there's a lot, a lot of thoughts. So yeah, you don't have, you'll forget this, but <laughs> you don't have to struggle against your, against your thoughts. You don't have to stop distraction. It, it happens. And you do say, I, I know on, again, when I've been taught by you that a lot of the thoughts are kind of stress being released. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, there's a whole amazing science behind this, but essentially the uh, past experiences or memories, um, it, trauma, stuff gets stored in our cells and the rest of that you receive in meditation if you take it easy you don't struggle train try strain or control the deep rest means that your body can let go can heal when the body heals it you may even experience this you may even feel jerks and movements and sensations when the body moves the mind moves as well all right so it's a bit like uh, your mind body motor you know you're alive because it's working. There's a bit of exhaust coming out. But you're looking at the wrong end. Sit in the driver's seat. It's, it's okay. It's going. I like that analogy. Haven't, haven't heard that one before. It's a new one for me. Well, trying to stop it is like trying to stop the exhaust on your car as well. Because it just <laughs> Not a good idea. So to wrap things up, Arjuna, then, where is the best place to kind of find out more about you and also about what you do with the... With, well, with your own work and with the Ashaya monks as well. Yeah, well, there's my website, which is arjunaashaya.com. And I'm doing a lot on Facebook at the moment. And my face, uh, sort of like the, the business Facebook is Mr. Arjuna Ashaya. And, you know, just a quick search will find me. But yeah. Um, and how, how do you spell that just quickly? Because I know I know a, how to spell it, but I wouldn't know otherwise. Yep. A R J. U-N-A, so that's Arjuna, and Ishaya is I-S-H-A-Y-A. And you also have a book. Where can you get it? It's a fantastic book. I've read it. Um, I recommend everyone reads it. Where can you find your book? Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's on Amazon. It's called 200%, the, an instruction manual for living fully. <laughs> I almost forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought you were double-checking there. What, what was the name of that book? But 200% is a great, a great title. I love it. So yeah. go and check out Arjuna's book. Go and check him out on his website and on Facebook as well. And if anyone has any questions or wants to find out more, how, how can they actually contact you directly? Can they contact you? Yeah. Well, message me on Facebook or send an email to arjuna at thebrightpath.com. I'd love, to, I'd love to help. Just whatever you got. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming, Arjuna. It's been oh. a great time. Thank you. I, I've, that's great catching up with you. It's so cool to see you again. Thank you for yeah, having me on. Well, I've really, really enjoyed it. I'm sure everyone listening will, will have enjoyed it as well. So thank you so much. Go and check out Arjuna. And if you've listened to the whole episode, we really, really appreciate you listening to it. And we'll catch you next Friday for the next episode of the Trinity Podcast. See you later, Arjuna. Thank you. Thank you.